At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome. The New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Wednesday show for you. Adam Chernoff, NFL expert, handicapper from covers.com, will join us. We'll talk some Jets, we'll talk some Giants, uh, we'll do some other stuff around the league in terms of what he likes week one awards. So, a month away from the NFL, at least the preseason starting. So, time to prep, time to get ready, uh, time to get excited because it'll be here before you know it. So, uh, we will talk to Adam coming up shortly. And uh, I guess we'll start here with the baseball as, boy, not too many days you say this where you come in and you say the Yankees lose and the Mets lose. Uh, It's been a dream season for both, but you look up here and the Mets are the story now leading by just two and a half games over Atlanta, three in the loss column, and look, we have a pennant race. Uh, Atlanta is just red hot, and not only is this thing down to three in the loss, two and a half overall. Atlanta, I mean, besides the fact that they don't seem to lose, they have seven games against Washington between now and the end of the in the start of the All Star break. So, it's tight. It might get even tighter. As for the games tonight, Mets in Cincinnati again, tough loss last night. I mean, Scherzer, it felt like Degrom in years past where he just pitches brilliantly. He returns 11 Ks, no walks, but they just couldn't score a run for him. And the bats, you know, have been cold here. That was the one thing that people were knocking them for that, hey, they're winning these games, but it's a lot of soft contacts, a lot of infield hits. Well, it's starting to even out a little bit. They've struggled to score in some of these games, as have the Yankees, and we'll get to that. But the Mets, minus 155 here at Bet Rivers. Total is 10. Peterson going against Ashcraft. Uh, 
Look, I like the under here. Peterson's actually pitched well. Peterson and Walker are were the two guys that really stepped up in Scherzer's absence. They in Scherzer's absence, they both threw the ball extremely well. And like I said, Scherzer back now. Degrom hopefully back here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ashcraft for Cincinnati has been a lone bright spot. Now he got rocked his last time out against the Cubs, but he's been really good. The outing before that, he had eight strikeouts against the Giants, beat them. They're six and two in Ashcraft starts. And look, this is a Cincinnati team that's awful. So to be six and two in his starts speaks to how well he's pitched. So I will go under 10 here. And I will also go over three and a half strikeouts for Ashcraft. I, I love his stuff. I mean, he throws 100 miles an hour. Seems like they all do now, but. 99-mile-an-hour uh, cutter. Just looks like he's throwing a wiffle ball out there. So this will not be an easy game for the Mets. Again, he's young, and he struggled his last time out. So uh, maybe he struggles with his command. Maybe he leaves some pitches up here, and you could do some damage. But I don't think this will be an easy game uh, as the Mets are favorites. Total 10 here at Bet Rivers. I will go with the under. Uh, as the Mets brace for a pennant race, I guess we should just give you the Braves line too because the Braves, like I said, seem to win every day. They have two more games against the Cardinals, and they're throwing Max Fried tonight. Minus 155 as well. Total 8.5. Mikolas going for the Cardinals. Uh, over 5.5 strikeouts for Freed. If you're looking for a play there, I, I kind of like that. And I do like the Braves. I mean, the Braves are just red hot. And it's amazing they were under 500 for so long. We kept saying, you know what? They're going to turn it around. They're going to turn it around. Well, they've certainly turned it around. They have just been on fire here uh, the last six weeks or so. So we're looking at a pennant race. We are looking at a pennant race uh, in the NL East. And when you have a three-game lead, really two-and-a-half game lead, and you have 15 games head-to-head, -head, that is not much of a margin. I mean, this thing was once 10-and-a-half. So, again, you can look at it both ways. And you can say, hey, we haven't had DeGrom all this time. We haven't had Scherzer for five or six weeks. And we're in first place in a division with the World Series champs. We're 50-31. and 31. We're doing just fine. Or you could say, hey, I, and I, I'm kind of in between both of them. You could look at it and say, hey, once you're up by 10 and a half games, I don't care what the rest of the situation is. When you're up by 10 and a half games, you expect to win the division. So uh, most of that lead has been erased here in the NL East. And uh, the odds certainly reflected the tightening of the race here. As you look at the odds, Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And, of course, download your Bet Rivers app. But I mentioned the other day the Yankees were minus 1,600 to win the division. I was like, hey, I know it's minus 1,600. And not a lot of people just have $1,600 laying around to, to win 100 to tie up your money for that long. But that's worth it. Well, it's up to minus 2,500 as the Yankees um, are obviously going to win this division. But the NL East really hasn't moved. Mets still minus 175. Braves plus 140. Uh, if you're interested, again, we've given out both of them at good prices. So if you just followed along and took the Mets... When we suggested the Mets, and if you took the Braves, when we suggested the Braves, uh, you're going to come out okay because Braves were plus 350, plus 400, something like that a couple months ago. And the Mets were plus money and even you know minus 110 with a huge lead. So uh, if, you, if you balance the books properly, you're sitting here where you don't have to worry about making a bet here. I think this is going to come down to the wire. To me, this is too close to call. I would still lean towards the Mets because they're getting to ground back. They have the three-game lead. They'll, they'll add a bat. Maybe they'll add two bats. But boy, if you told me right now the Braves won this division, I wouldn't be shocked. The Braves are really good. Braves are really good. Braves throw a good pitcher pretty much every night. Uh, and again, they'll probably make a move too. So nothing wrong with a pennant race. Nothing wrong with a pennant race. And you do have the net of... And look, you're only seven seven in the loss ahead of Philly. Nine ahead of the Marlins who have played well. I mentioned yesterday the Marlins 200-1 to win it all was a crazy number. But... 
Uh, you have the net of you probably make a wild card even if you lost this division. Now, you're not thinking that. You don't want to hear that if you're the Mets. You've led this division the whole way. You blew the division last year. You don't want to deal with the best two out of three, even though you're well-equipped to deal with that with DeGrom, Scherzer in a three-game series. You want to win this division. So, look, you'll have your opportunities. You play a Monday in Atlanta. Uh, you can build this lead right back up if you play well for three games. Hey, you sweep them, and let's just say it's three in the loss when you when you meet up which I'm not sure it's going to be because look, Atlanta's beating up all these teams. They're going to beat the hell out of the Nationals. But let's just say, hey, it's three in the loss column when you meet head up. You know what? You sweep them. It's back to six, and you really took the air out of their rally. You took the air out of this run here for Atlanta. So it's a, it's a pennant race. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of scoreboard watching this summer, watching the Mets, having one eye on the Braves. And we are in certainly for a pennant race. As for the Yankees, uh, again, Pirates tonight, Severino going against Keller. Yankees minus 210, total 8. They've shown some flaws here. And again, we're going to sound picky, going to sound greedy, but they've got three or four offensive players every night in that lineup that just aren't good. Trevino's bat has certainly cooled off. Kiner Falefa had a few hits last night, but he is a useless offensive player for the most part. Just no offense, even shaky on defense. Donaldson has struggled. Gallo's got to go. Gallo's just an automatic out. I mean, we, we, all, we all cringe every time he goes to the plate. Hicks has not been good. Uh, I mean, you can afford, again, you can afford one of these guys, maybe two. The pitching's really good. You have Judge, and, and Judge has had a rough 10 or 11 games here, which is just natural. It's the course of a season. Everyone's going to have, you know, 10, 12 games uh, sample sizes here where they're just, they're not very good. It's just the nature of baseball. But it, it's one thing to have one or two of these guys. To have three or four of these guys, I, I don't care how good your record is. That's an issue, and it's going to be an issue, especially in the postseason when you come across these better teams and, you know, good pitchers, when you have a, a four, five, six-man lineup and you have three automatic outs for the most part, it's hard to score runs. It's really hard to score runs. They'll start pitching Judge more carefully. You know, Stanton's bat has looked a little slow. It's what It was the game on Saturday. It was 92-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle, and he was late on it. I mean, that's it's 92. He Now, he hit a, a hanging slider for a home run. He's gotten some hits, but it just looks like his bat is a little slow. You worry about that going forward. Um but you just got to wonder here uh, if the Yankees, I'm sure they'll add one bat. Do you go out and you add two? Do you give Florio in the minors a chance? I just, I've seen enough of Gallo. I don't know that they'll upgrade Kiner Falefa. I would. I guess you let Donaldson ride it out. You're probably not going to do anything with the catcher. Probably not going to do anything with the catcher just because the pitching's been so good and the catching and the pitching are, are interrelated. So bringing in Wilson Contreras, bringing in some bat at catcher. You know, you don't want to mess with the chemistry that the catchers have had with the pitching staff, that Trevino's had with the pitching staff. But you need a bat. You definitely need one good bat, Benatendi, Hap. I would get two and a bullpen guy. Now, are they going to go out and trade for three guys? Hasn't been their nature lately. They've been beholden to this luxury tax. They've been careful with the prospects. And people are going to want Peraza, Volpe. I mean, obviously, I don't think Dominguez is on the table, especially for you know one of these B-level guys like Benatendi, Hap, who are good bats. They're not great. I mean, you're not giving up your best prospect in a deal like that. But uh, the Yankees, look, and look the, the East is not a factor here. The East is not a, a, a concern. The one concern would be, though, going forward, they're only four up in the loss column on Houston for the best record. So as great as they've been, you still want to be the number one seed because a Yankees-Astros ALCS, we've seen that in the past, Game 7 in 2017 on the road. They lost, couldn't get a hit. Home field held up that entire series. Home home team won every game, all seven games. Home team was 7-0. And, and even 2019, they get walked off game six in Houston. Uh, you want to be home. Yankee Stadium is a huge advantage. Yankees have played well at home, especially in the playoffs. You want to play at home in the playoffs. So that is the one thing. 
to keep an eye on here for the Yankees to be the one seed to fend off the Astros. The Astros beat the Royals last night. So, boy, it's amazing the Yankees have played this well, and they're only a few games ahead of Houston. So that is the baseball. Uh, Yankees uh, go a couple games. It's funny. They got no hit not 10 days ago. They got one hit on Sunday. Quiet bats last night. One guy I played more, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, is Carpenter. Carpenter's a live bat. Now, I don't know how you squeeze him in, but you got to squeeze him in because he is killing right-handed pitching. He's good in Yankee Stadium, but he's got the perfect swing for it. You know, he was a top five MVP candidate, what, three or four years ago? I think it was 2018, and he's bounced around, but uh, he certainly looked like that player in a short sample size here. He's almost, you know, he's what a lot of people thought Gallo would be, where he just comes in and he hits a bunch of homers in, in you know, short periods of time, and maybe he doesn't get the other hits. You know, in terms of being a complete hitter, but he, he can do damage with that swing, especially in Yankee Stadium. So I think Carpenter is a bat you have to find a way to get in the lineup. But other than that, Yankees, I'm sure will bounce back. Uh, as far as a bet tonight, I'm okay laying the one and a half with Severino. I think they'll hit tonight. Um, I think if you're looking for a strikeout prop too, I'm, I'm big on these strikeout props now. These are fun, and I think these are a good way to win. Over six and a half strikeouts for Severino, I think that's a good bet. So... Ashcraft over three and a half strikeouts for the Reds. Severino over six and a half strikeouts for the Yankees. Yankees minus one and a half. And then under 10 Reds Mets. As our pick lost yesterday. Looking to bounce back here. The picks have been very good on this show. So not going to apologize for a uh, you know, bad day or two. But uh, looking to bounce back. I pride myself on giving you guys winning picks. So hopefully we win tonight. We'll bounce back. Speaking of good picks and good info, before we get to Adam, I mentioned yesterday the Nets 40 to 1 to win the title, and that's a bad number. What is now 27 to 1 at Bet Rivers? You're seeing uh, these numbers for the Nets get cut in half across the board. And a lot of it is the thinking I was having where, hey, you know what? You really put your mind to it and try to come up with a trade here for Durant. It's not that easy. It's not that easy considering how great he is. You don't have your picks. Everything that Gobert got traded for, how do you come up with a trade that's fair? For all parties, for the Nets, satisfying them and their future. Okay, the team that gets Durant, they're happy. But you got to satisfy Durant. So if you trade Durant for three or four players, well, Durant's not going to want to go to a team that's been gutted. So I think it's very hard to find a team. Sham Sharania reported yesterday that uh, the Nets are planning on, and who knows it, what, you know, where they're getting this from, if this is a bluff, if this is some sort of uh, a leak from the Nets to try to gain leverage. But I buy it. Sham's tweeted that. The Nets are planning to go to training camp with Irving, with Durant on the team, business as usual, which I think is the right call. I think it's the right call, man. He doesn't. Durant doesn't have a lot of leverage here. He really doesn't. He's got leverage to kill a deal he doesn't like. He absolutely has leverage in terms of that. But he doesn't have any leverage in terms of, hey, trade me or else. Or else what? You're going to be unhappy? Okay, be unhappy. Hey, I'm going to complain. Okay, you can complain. Season starts in October. We'll see in October. I mean, you can complain all you want. I don't know what you can do. You could pretend you're hurt. You could sit out. You could whine. You can complain. You got four years left on a contract and you're 33. You want to sit out until you're 37 and not play? If I'm the Nets, I'm having meetings about this saying, hey, man, I know he's unhappy. I know that's the thing in the NBA where a guy's unhappy and we, we panic and we trade him to keep him happy. I'm not trading him. I'm not trading him. If I got absolutely blown away, which I don't know what he, that deal even looks like, all right, maybe I'll consider it, but... I don't see that kind of deal being realistic. So I think the books agree. I think that 40 to 1 was a bad number. I even think 27 to 1 on the Nets to win the title next year is still a good number. I don't think Durant is going anywhere. I think Durant is going to be on the Nets next year. So uh, cover the baseball. Keep an eye on the Durant situation. We'll see what happens, if anything happens. But coming up next, 
Jets, Giants, NFL. Are either team a sleeper or both teams sleepers? We'll give out some future bets. We'll talk some NFL with Adam Chernoff. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back, New York City Cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Our next guest, uh, if you see him on TV, if you hear him on the radio, you just got to turn up the volume, start taking notes because he, he'll help you make a lot of money. He certainly helped me make a lot of money over the years, and now he's going to help make all of you uh, some money. It is Adam Chernoff, Senior Strategist for Covers, NFL Handicapping Expert. Adam, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me aboard, and I think some may agree that better heard on radio than seen on television. I can relate to that, and uh, I guess we'll start here. You are a Jets fan, so let's just start with your Jets. I'll lay out the numbers here at Bet Rivers. Uh, over under six wins. Now, you can put it at five and a half and get more juice. It opened five and a half, uh, plus 625 to make the playoffs, plus 1,800 to win the East. We'll, we'll lay off the AFC futures and the Super Bowl futures for now, uh, unless, you want, unless you want to jump in with that. Take it anywhere you go. Have you made any bets on the Jets here, and what are your thoughts going into the season? So no bets made preseason for me on New York, um, mostly due to the fact that a lot of people that I respect really like the over with the Jets. They've been a very popular over bet. They've been a very popular team as a long shot to make the playoffs. We've even seen some folks go a little bit too far, take them to win the East. Um, not so sure about that one, but I know they've been very popular. So there's some hesitation from my side. As I don't know if I necessarily agree with that entirely. Um, last year, they ended up going 4-13, and 13, but it was actually kind of set to the expectation that they had on the season. And so point differential tends to be a really good gauge of how a team performed overall. And I know they were riddled with injuries. I know they had a lot of issues at the skill position players as well as within the secondary. They also had a very big issue at quarterback, which um, fairly important position in today's NFL. And to me, when you look at just how difficult the schedule is going to be this year, they're going to have the fourth most difficult projected schedule going into the season. And you're kind of expecting a big second-year leap from Zach Wilson, relying on a lot of rookie and young talent at skill positions. I know the excitement is there, but I don't know if the results – against a lot of these teams they're going to be facing is ultimately going to be there as well. So it just, to me, as much as I want to be optimistic, seems like a tough road ahead again for the Jets in 2022. Where were you on Wilson coming out of the draft into last season? What did you see last year? Uh, I mean, obviously it was ugly. Did you see any signs of promise? Kind of give us your thoughts on where you are here with the, uh, with the quarterback. Last season, I was generally indifferent. And really, I was just kind of stuck in this lull of having Darnold for a couple of years fail. And I just, there was a different feeling to me as a better, but also as a fan when Darnold came in than there was Wilson. I was almost more optimistic with Darnold. And obviously, that didn't work out well. And so it was kind of like 
almost getting burned again when you see Wilson come in so quickly and you're like, well, I don't know if this is ultimately going to work out. But it was it was pretty rough last year. There wasn't a lot of optimism at times. His numbers were all bottom five, bottom six in the league in almost every single category. And there were some comparisons that I've seen thrown out in the last couple of weeks on Twitter from major NFL accounts that are comparing him to quarterbacks in the last 10 years. And he was going to like a sample size of quarterbacks, 130 deep on guys who have started in the league for things like success rate, EPA, completion percentage over expectation. And of those 130, Wilson was 128, 127. Like it was just brutal. A board. And I mean, with this coaching staff, it's, it's just to me, not a situation where, we're going to see like what Josh Allen had with Brian Dayball, who was a brilliant offensive mind, leading him to that massive second-year leap. Just don't know where it comes from this season for for Zach Wilson. Where are you? Where are you with the coach? Because he came in with a reputation for defense. And I thought, look, I'm not a, a, an expert on this stuff in terms of you know schemes and defense, but he had one really good defense in 2019 with the Niners, where they had a million pass rushes. Other than that, his defenses were kind of mediocre. I wasn't sold on him. Defenses were dead last in a lot of categories last year. Where are you here with uh, with Salah? Well, he has the reputation for defense. And the problem is that the defense gave up 504 points last year, which was far and away the most in the NFL. So, look, he gets maybe a little bit of pass because of all the injuries that they dealt with. I mean, the Jets were crushed with injuries the entire year, started before the season even got going with Carl Lawson, but guys continuously within the secondary were just beat up left and right. So he gets a bit of a pass there. But now, again, like it's, I think, a stretch to say there's a massive improvement. The scheme that Salah plays, that sort of Seattle-style defense, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Sauce Gardner, is now a rookie stepping in to be the number one corner. Not typically something we look back in the NFL and see a lot of precedents for just massive performance boosts. So that's putting him in a bit of a tough spot. But there's just such a long way to go when you're looking at this past defense last year. Again, dead last in the NFL across the board. And the schedule's not getting any easier. The opposing quarterbacks they face are brutal. This is a team that's going to be continuously playing from behind. They're going to be at least six-point underdogs in half of their games this season. And so when you have that pressure put on the secondary playing from behind and you're relying on a lot of young guys at the back to hold up, it's just, again, to me, it's just a tough spot that we're going to see the Jets in a lot of times this season. Yeah, I think you made good points about the injuries and giving Salah a break. But the one thing I would say is, like, his defense is the concerning thing. They didn't get any better. They got worse as the season went on. You you would hope... You know, with a young coach, he's starting to implement his system, his culture, his style, all that. You would expect them to get better, hope they get better. They just got worse and worse as the season went on. Yeah, and you can maybe compare someone like a, and this is going to sound bad that I'm praising Dan Campbell, but in a way praising Dan Campbell because he came in, had that brash style. We were all laughing at him on Twitter. But week after week after week last year, he got a lot out of that really weak Lions team that were competitive. They never mailed it in on games. They were continuously coming back. They were that thorn in the side for anybody who was laying the points against ATM the Lions. A lot they were a money machine, yeah. 
Yeah. And like you said, it's sort of the opposite situation with Salah where you were waiting for that sort of breakthrough on the team where it's like, okay, now we're starting to see it. Now it's starting to work out. It just didn't happen, like you were saying. And so those are kind of the little things you look for as a better. It's tough to find any info that's not accounted for in the NFL. But when you see that happen and there's not that immediate response to a guy, especially a head coach who is specialized in something, if that unit doesn't match up to what he specialized in, you kind of have more questions than you do answers. How do you handicap? How do you use your numbers here and take into account the rookie class? Because I actually thought they got a little too much credit. I mean, we were talking all year. They're going to have two top 10 picks. So they're going to have some draft picks here. Then they, they get two, 10 picks, two top 10 picks. And people are like, oh, my God, they got a couple good players in the top 10. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Of course they got uh, good players. But how do you sort of use that in your numbers? Do they take a while to marinate? Can they help right away? How do you sort of factor that into your numbers? I wish I had a better answer than kind of wait and see and evaluate it. I think... For me, there's been a lot of times that I've noticed in my betting the last sort of five to six seasons where I really got excited about the idea of how players could fit into a scheme, especially younger guys that don't have a lot of data behind it and sort of tended to overvalue second or third level wide receivers. I had a bad situation where I really over-evaluated injuries within the secondary. Um, to me... It's uh, sort of a concerted effort to wait and see before making like a really big reaction. But I think it's, on one hand, it's very easy to look at some of these guys they have, especially at the skill position spot, the wide receiver. There's, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of speed. I think it's really easy to get excited about it. And you could say the same thing for the Jets here in the secondary. But again, like it's... It's, it's asking a lot of young guys to step in and do a lot immediately. And so to me, it's, it's a wait and see, and it's a wait to see if we get that response from the Jets as the season progresses. Because I think just looking at the point spreads for the season, looking ahead and how it's laid out, there's a lot of bigger prices on the Jets that if you start to see that sort of sign of life from this team, that's where it gets interesting. You're going to find some value. Yeah, I think we can all remember the Jets Lions that first uh, Monday night game for Sam Darnold where they win the game Let's by throw across points. the field. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and everyone, uh, we hey, we finally got our quarterback. I think Geno Smith even had his moments. You know, a Monday night football comeback against Atlanta. Sanchez had his moments. So you know, when when you haven't had a quarterback in forever, you sort of talk yourself into these things. I think as fans too. Yeah, big time. And it's it's so easy to overreact to just a a, a play here or a play there. And think it's different, but it really comes down to just kind of staying steady in evaluation over the long term. What's sort of the best version and worst version of this Jets team, this Jets season? Uh, what are the kind of highs and lows that you think are realistic? If everything clicks, could they make a playoffs or probably not? Boy, I'd be, I yeah. would be thrilled as a fan if it happens and they make the playoffs. I can't see it. Um, this schedule and this entire conference is just brutal. And like, we'll see what happens with the Browns and the Watson situation. But I mean, it's it's road games at Pittsburgh, at Green Bay, at Denver, at New England, at Minnesota, at Buffalo. It's just a, a brutal schedule, and so many games stacked early. The Ravens, the Bengals, uh, the Bills again, Week Nine. Like this front half of the schedule is just loaded. So I mean, this this Jets team could be in trouble early. I would be shocked if they make the playoffs. 
I think the win total is kind of a fair number, but I could I could see a situation where they could unfortunately be another four win season. Yeah, I know some smart guys like you said that took over five and a half. Not based, it wasn't an opinion. It was just an opinion of reading the market and say, hey, there's optimism with this draft. It's going to go to six, so I can play over five and a half, and then have a free roll under six and just sort of play the number. So I think that's sort of the number there. That's sort of the move there with with the five and a half to the six. Like you said, they could win four games. They could go four and thirteen. Uh, is Salah come back for year three? Does Wilson come back for year three if they're four and thirteen? What's sort of the direction of the franchise? You know, worst case scenario here going forward. Probably a situation where you have to keep Wilson another year. Uh, if it's another three to four win season, especially if the defense doesn't improve, I could see a situation where Robert Salah is out. Um, I think that's. I think we we're more likely to see a coaching change than we are a drastic move away from from a QB if it's another rough year. Yeah, because you don't get too many of these, uh, too many chances to go four and thirteen in the NFL. You do it once, all right. We're rebuilding. You do it twice. The, the record starts to pile on it, and you look up and hey, you're eight and twenty-six. Usually, uh, if you're not fired, you're close to fired. At least on the hot seat for year three. So, yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. And I think uh, we'll get into some awards here. Do you think they have any awards candidates? If you're optimistic about the Jets, look, probably not making the playoffs, but Salah Coach of the Year because if they made the playoffs, he's going to be a good candidate. Uh, do, do you see any sort of awards candidates, whether it's Rookie of the Year? Uh, probably not an MVP candidate, but any sort of uh, awards candidates on this Jets team? I don't, but I will say that if you really are optimistic about the Jets and you think that a lot of folks who have bet the win total over are on the right side of it, when you're looking at coach of the year, which I hate to tease out, but I think we'll get to that on the other New York team in a second, but if you're looking at that, um, criteria typically for coach of the year is a team that improves by three and a half to four wins. They have a win total at seven or less, and they have a nine and a half or ten or nine or ten win season. The average was nine point five for actual wins, and this is looking back at the last fifteen coach of the years. So, in essence, you need to have a team coming off of a really bad season improve by at least three and a half wins, sneak into the playoffs. And they need to have a low preseason expectation with a win total of seven and a half or less. So the Jets certainly fit that criteria, but a lot of that is going to hinge on them making the playoffs. And so it's kind of a, a correlation there. If the Jets happen to make the playoffs, I think you're absolutely looking at a coach of the year award being given out here, but that's a tall ask. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And yeah, you're right about the coach of the year. It's the team. It's the coach of the team that overachieves the most, that improves the most. It's not always exactly. like Belichick's only won this award two or three times. I know Popovich in the NBA never wins it. It's the team that you know improves, overachieves. You know, at least based on perception. And uh, you teased it. Let's get into the Giants because uh, a new regime here: Dable, Shane. This team it's similar to the Jets. They haven't had a lot of success. It's amazing. You look at the Jets and the Giants. The last playoff victory between either of these teams was against the Patriots, the 2011 Super Bowl. It's just been a disaster. Only one playoff appearance since. Um, are they in the right hands here with Dable and Shane? Because it feels like they're at least going in the right direction. The 2011 Jets victory over the Patriots was the last time that I have had joy watching football <laughs> as a fan. I've had a lot of joy watching as a better, but that was the last time as a fan I've genuinely be happy watching uh, the NFL. That was a special night. 
Not um, for me. My oh, my under got busted with 17 points in the last minute and oh. a half. It's one of the worst beats of my life. Sean, uh, a touchdown, then a Sean Green touchdown. You know what happened? And, and nobody probably cares about this, but the, the Patriots kicked the field goal and missed it with like two minutes left, but they didn't get it off before the two-minute warning, so they exactly. got to re-kick yep. it. And then they made it, and I'm sitting here, who cares? They're still not going to get 14 points. Green bust for a touchdown. And then they get a personal foul, short field, the Patriots score. One of the worst beats of all time. But, yeah, that's the last Jets playoff appearance. And, again, one playoff victory for, you know, the, the Patriots uh, Giants Super Bowl is the last time either New York team won a, a playoff game. So just an incredible lack of success here the last decade. The Patriots drive in that game seemed like it took 15 minutes. It was like the Chargers-Raiders game. Uh, yeah. earlier in 2021 where it just went on forever and the patch just kept picking up a couple yards, a couple yards and punched it in. Remember that game very well. But um, Giants, I would say as pessimistic as I was about the Jets, I am equally optimistic about the Giants in terms of them being in the right hands. I don't know of a time where we've seen a complete coaching and coordinator overhaul that has been as different and as much improved as what we've seen from the Giants from 2021 to 2022. So if there's any validity to what the Bills have seen their offense improve the last couple of seasons, Allen take that leap connected to what Dayball has done for that team, the Giants are in a very, very good position to succeed. And I think that there was a lot of Dayball on the Bills' improvements over the last couple seasons. I think it was primarily him as great of a coach as McDermott is. What he did with that offense was great. One thing you have to look out for is pass rate in a neutral situation above expectation. Bit of an advanced stat, but it's basically looking at, from a play-calling perspective, when are you passing more than you were expected to? And Dayball was far and away the league leader in that. So as a Giants fan, you have to be really excited about what's coming to the offense because there's a lot of skill position talent. And if you match that up with the play calling expertise of Dayball, as well as the creativity of Kafka, who, by the way, was a QB coach for a pretty good QB uh, for a number of years, Patrick Mahomes under Andy Reid. I think there's a ton to really be optimistic about here from the Giants. This coaching overhaul is enormous. Now, you can look at Jones one of two ways. There's two camps. You can say he was undercoached. Um, and look, when he went out the last month, they couldn't even get a first down with the quarterbacks behind him, whether it was Glennon or Fromm. So that's a positive for Jones. The other side of it is, hey, he's hurt. first of all, he's hurt a lot, which people, I mean, forget his play on the field. He gets hurt a lot. He's erratic. The turnovers, he's inaccurate. What? Uh, which camp do you fall into here with Jones? I, don't, I just, I'm looking at the numbers. So last year, the Jones games started. The Giants were four and six, a minus 27 point differential. This was a team that finished 4-13. and 13. So you can kind of do the math on that and look at the Giants with Jones versus the Giants without Jones. Um, obviously, the injuries to Jones have sort of limited what he can do, but I think he was severely undercoached. I mean, you're not going to get a team doing anything creative or putting any QB in a spot to succeed with Jason Garrett and Joe Judge. I mean, it's just not happening. And it was painful to watch. As a Jets fan, I quietly enjoyed it, but like, it was painful to watch. Um, but also the fact it was injuries weren't just limited to Jones last year. I mean, Galladay was hurt. Shepard was hurt. Tony was hurt. They missed a combined 24 games. Barkley missed 
four or five games. And there were only three games the entire season where two of those three receivers were on the field for more than 60% of the offensive snaps. And if you look at Jones' performance within those games, his performance metrics, EPA, success rate, if that was put over the course of a full season, were top five in the NFL. So, look, I'm not saying that Jones is a top five QB in the NFL, but the fact is when Jones was the starter, this team scored an average of 10 points more per game than in the games without him on Glennon or Fromm. And so it's a situation where you can sort of criticize Jones and point at all his failures and his lack of performance, but there's a very real lingering situation where he's been without a lot of his top guys for the majority of his starts, and this team has been riddled with injuries and drastically undercoached. I think that's the part, combined with the coaching staff, that the betting market's really ignoring coming into 2022. Yeah, it really fell apart quickly with Judge. Because remember, his first year, I mean, he was only two years on the job with the Giants. His first year, and they were 6-10, and 10, but they competed. They played hard. They had some upset wins. And people were like, you know what? We're going in the right direction. We got our guy. And then it just totally fell apart. And like you mentioned, boy, that last two months of football, watching the Giants, doing these shows after every day, I, I, I've never seen anything that bad. And, and if I have, I blocked it out in my mind. They couldn't even cross midfield. They couldn't get a first down. I mean, it was really, it was not even NFL football. And the defense played hard. But it, I think at some point, the defense said, you know what? This is a fruitless, a fruitless exhibition here and just kind of caved in it was brutal to watch guys weren't even showing up to practice by the end of it it was just everyone was so checked out that was painful um their wins i should mention seven wins plus 260 to win uh to make the playoffs plus 700 to win the east any of these you like sounds like you like the over seven any bets you made on these well i've i've bet two of those i have the over and i have them to win the east i think this can be a 10 win team and this is a team that can win the division. I think we see a, a surprise year from the Jets. So I think both of those prices really good. Would you have the same thinking with, hey, if this team wins the division, Dable's going to be on the very short list of Coach of the Year candidates. Is Dable something that Coach of the Year you're going to take a look at here as I pull up the numbers? Another one I've already bet at 20 to 1. I think that's okay. an easy one to take on. If For me, the Coach of the Year candidacy comes down to really Dayball as the front runner and then he's going to be competing with Dan Campbell over in Detroit. I think it's between those two. They're both priced fairly equally at the top of the market, but I think that's another bet that anyone listening to the show at 20 to 1, you got to put it in the account cuz I, I think there's there's such a a high potential here for this Giants team. A lot of variance, but a lot of potential here. And as I mentioned at the end of the Jets discussion there, the Giants fit exactly what you're looking at in terms of coach of the year candidates. This is a team with a win total at seven and a half. They won four games a year ago. So that projection already has that three win improvement implied. They end up making the playoffs. They're probably going to need 10 wins. That matches the criteria the last 15 years for coach of the year winners. And all of that improvement is going to be labeled on Dayball, who comes in with that pedigree of being that offensive mind. So it's, it just really, really fits that pedigree for what Coach of the Year winners have needed. I think it's a really good bet at 20 to 1. What about O'Connell 20 to 1 with the Vikings? Uh, they've certainly underachieved. They have a lot of talent. They've missed the playoffs the last two years. Could they get to 11, maybe 12 wins? No more Adams with Green Bay. Is O'Connell one that you'd think about? They're going to have to win the division 
um, for that to happen. It's certainly another guy who's going to be up there stepping into the head coaching role. As you mentioned, a lot of talent. Um, the scheme is still very, very good. I don't know if that sort of Super Bowl hype that they've received quietly at parts is going to be necessarily realized over the course of the season, but that team going from a defensive-minded coach in Zimmer to an offense first guy in O'Connell could be really, really interested. So that's that's another guy that's on that fringe coach of the year candidacy. Any other awards you've bet in? It doesn't have to be local, but MVP. Uh, do, you, do you get involved in a lot of these rookie these uh, these awards markets, or do you kind of wait until training camp to, to avoid injuries? Uh, what are your thoughts on any any other uh, awards here? I've played a lot more recently. I'm not a huge futures guy, but I've sort of got into taking a few the last uh, basically two seasons here. This year with um, now we have I'm up in Canada, so we have more books available. Um, than we've had before, and there's some offerings that are interesting. The one that really stood out to me was C.D. Lamb to lead the league in receiving yards. So relevant within the division for all the Giants fans listening out there. The thing I like about Lamb in that situation is for guys to really get into that award, it has to be a situation where they're getting the majority of target share. And so other guys at the top of the list, when you're looking at sort of the top 8 to 10 guys, Hill... Um, looking at um, Kelsey's up there. Um, you're getting Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams. Like All of those guys are going into situations or are currently in situations with their team where they're sharing it with at least one or two other key wide receivers. Um, Adams always gets a lot of attention, but now he goes over to Las Vegas. There's two or three other guys that are going to be sharing targets with him. Jefferson sharing directly with Thielen. Um, what I like about Lamb is Amari Cooper has now left Dallas. He's gone to Cleveland. Michael Gallup is coming off of a season where he was injured the entire year, still not entirely sure on his return date. Lamb is very firmly stepping into that number one role. It's an explosive offense, and he's going to benefit from a lot of these targets, especially early in the year. So when it becomes a yardage and not a subjective award, something that you can count as a stat, you can kind of tie that back to what the scheme is going to be and how many targets and attempts he's going to get. And I just think of those top eight or ten guys in the market, Lamb is going to be that clear number one option and isn't going to have to share a lot. And just how dynamic he is, can play in the slot, can play out wide, what that Cowboys offense can do with Prescott. I think that's really, really uh, an interesting bet to make. And so I made it at 16-1. to 1. You may be able to find 20 to 1 on Lamb to win it at the moment as that market kind of shifts around. Um, but anything better, 16 to 1, uh, is worth a bet, I think, as well. A couple quick ones before we get you out of here. Uh, Watson, does he play a down this year? And if not, what do the Browns do here at quarterback? <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know at this point. It seems highly unlikely. There was supposed to be an answer last week. They were going back and forth in the, the legal stuff, and nothing came from it. The NFL is pushing for indefinite suspension. His camp is pushing for a four-game suspension. The interesting thing I would say is kind of the number you're looking at for the Browns overall in terms of how many games he's going to be suspended really having a big impact on the win total market, on the futures market, is four games. Because the Browns' schedule just so happens that when you're laying out their opponents – they start off Carolina, 
a six-win team projected to be. The Jets, five and a half. The Steelers, seven. And the Falcons, five. So they arguably start with three of the five worst teams in football. Could be all four of those could end up being bottom five teams in the league before it ticks up and they go Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, Miami, Buffalo, Tampa. So if he's only out for four games, which is what he is pushing for and his legal team is pushing for, there's probably not going to be that big of an impact because the Browns are going to be able to get through those games with Brissett at quarterback. Um, this is a team where we've never really seen Brissett in a situation where he benefits from what the Browns have. A very good offensive line, three running backs deep, some decent skill-wide receivers. So it's a step up in terms of roster that Brissett is going to get, who has been a serviceable backup throughout his entire career. It's, a, it's an interesting spot where we're probably going to get reaction just off the suspension, people are going to get excited and, and go one way or the other. But I actually think if it's more than four, that's when it's justified. If it's four games or less, and this happens to tick down, I think all the overs are in play because they're going to be just fine through the first four weeks. That's kind of the big thing that I'm looking for. Yeah, interesting way to look at it. Uh, last last one before we get you out of here. Any other sleeper teams? You mentioned the Giants. We It's the NFL. We always have some team that's three or four to one, come out of nowhere and at least win a division. Uh, any other team that you think can make a big leap this season? Let's keep an eye on Jacksonville. Ooh. Uh, interesting spot with Peterson stepping in. Perhaps Trevor Lawrence maybe not getting the respect for just how difficult of a situation it was last year with the – the coaching rigmarole, so to speak. I don't know what you want to call it at this point, but certainly another situation not too dissimilar from the Giants where it's a brand-new coaching staff, it's a brand-new situation. Peterson has a history of doing really well with free agency. He stacked a bunch of guys early in the window back in March. And so it's a situation where we might see the Jags be a lot better than what they were viewed as last year and what they're sort of pegged at within the market right now. And I think the Titans take a big step back, and I think the Texans obviously are going to be really bad for another year. So there's some some potential easy wins there within the division to maybe get this team going, and it's not the most difficult schedule either. So uh, maybe the Jags ultimately surprise. Interesting. That, that's one I hadn't thought of. Yeah, I mean, the AFC is so tough, but if you're going to find one soft spot in terms of the AFC, it's the South's not impossible. Titans are good. They're not great. Same thing with the Colts, and you mentioned the Texans could be the worst team in the league. Uh, Adam, appreciate you coming on. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again during the football season. Uh, let everyone know where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Adam Chernoff, and then everything over at Covers.com is there for... There's something for everybody. A massive site with more than 100 people working for it, so you're going to be able to find all the info you need. And appreciate the time having me on. I'm always interested in talking New York football, so I hope people enjoyed it. And if I can come back, I'll be more than willing to jump on and probably gripe about the Jets many times throughout the season. You'll be back. Like I said, we're a month away here from the Hall of Fame game, so it kind of snuck up on us. So uh, it'll be here before you know it. Adam, appreciate you coming on. We'll, uh, we'll catch up here down the road. Thanks again. All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Adam Chernoff. Uh, boy, getting excited here. Just thinking about football, talking about football. A month away from the Hall of Fame game, another month or so after that. College football, NFL, regular season. So it'll be here before you know it. It sneaks up on you. So a full summer here of pennant race baseball leading into football. So 
Good days ahead here. Looking forward to it. Don't forget to download, rate, review, subscribe, the New York City cast, wherever you get your podcast. So we'll be back tomorrow. Katie Sharp will spend some time on Yankees Red Sox this weekend. Yankees trade deadline targets. We'll talk a little baseball with Katie. Thanks again for listening. This is the New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.